I, I don't know. Like, I've seen so many horror movies now that those things terrify me. You won't, you won't take a cat scan? Oh, I, I totally will. But it's just, I've seen so many things in movies now that they've just it's like, like magnets or something. Dude, I have metal in my ankle. And yeah. they always talk about how you can't have metal in those things because it's a giant magnet. Yeah. I, all I can picture is my leg just getting metal ripped out of it. <laughs> just like Magneto to Wolverine. Just, right. Oh, exoskeleton. Yep. So, <laughs> never, never sounds like a good thing. Bye. Welcome to the Cop Trolls Podcast with your hosts, Dave and Das Bruce. How you doing, man? Not too bad. How are yourself? Doing pretty good, sir. So, dude, it's been a while. It, it, I mean, it has, but it hasn't. I think we did a, we, we kind of pre-recorded one a week out and stuck with our schedule because it's every two weeks. Yeah, but I don't know. With it being summer and then also having the 4th of July kind of fall in there. It just seems longer because we had holiday events, man. Probably. But what have you been playing? Um, all right. So, uh, actually just last night, right? I'm, I'm, I'm glad we, uh. Glad we're doing this now, because so last night uh, I was playing. We hooked up a projector screen, right? Okay. And I was playing Philips CDI. Are you serious? I was doing Dragon. Uh, uh, I almost said Dragon Warrior, not Dragon Warrior. Um, the Don Bluth game. That, that's, I don't. Do you, uh, you know Space Ace? Yeah. Yeah, same style game. It was. Um, you played a game yesterday. And don't remember oh what God. it is. Well, there was a lot of drinking involved. Hold oh, on. Well. <laughs> well. Okay, well, that's great. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Well, how about that uh, Detroit game that I let you borrow? I I was I barely touched that because I was too busy. Playing. Too busy having three weeks to play. Whatever, a game man. you don't remember the name of. No, you know. <laughs> look, a lot of stuff has been going on. It was holiday weekend, right? It was. Uh, did you go fireworks? Of course I did. How was that? There are fireworks. Lots of people. Lots of fireworks, and uh, it's kind of boring. Why, why was it boring? I, I don't know. It's getting to the point now where I, I like the experience of going downtown and just experiencing like the, the holiday, but the actual fireworks show themselves. I think I'm just, I'm, I'm not getting over them. I'm just, I'm not impressed anymore by it. It's just not, it's just not what it used to be. So I, I don't know. Do you think it, that they were just better when you were a kid and you lose the not, wonder and amazement well, as an adult? Well, you know, that's always going to be part of it. But also, I think it's just like there's so many other parts of it that I enjoy more now. Like just the opportunity to roam around the city and just kind of randomly get food and just some of the people you you walk in. You're not really like, allowed to do that with kids, are you? Well, this year I didn't have any with me. So it was, oh. So I actually got that experience. Me and my wife went downtown. I ran into several friends of mine. I We ran into just a, a new restaurant we tried out. And it's just like that experience of just going downtown and not knowing what you're going to have. For it's that experience. planned unplanned thing where it's like, we're going to go here and do this, but whatever happens there, we can kind of just freeform. Yeah. And see, that's really great when it's just us hanging out, but the idea of just going downtown, finding one spot and just watching the fireworks, it's not as much of a, a rewarding experience for me, but if my kids are with me, I get to see them enjoy it and and that's where my enjoyment comes in so your enjoyment is now extension through your children it is for certain things and and i'm perfectly fine with that you know like i said my my fun was extension through friends because i haven't been able to get out that much and like i said we had dragons like dragons lair there we go (laughs) i don't know why (laughs) finally sober uh no but it was a friend's birthday party we had a philip cdi rigged up to projector he beat dragons lair which was super impressive and then we threw the second one 
it's on par with. It's Is that it really? same thing because it's the full arcade experience of like you have to hit directional. It's all timing. You wouldn't think that it'd be that hard, but it's like watch and learn and then figure. And then the second game, I don't know if the first game does this or not. Cause he beat the first game and we threw in the second one. Second one will actually flip the screen on. So all your controls are then reversed. So you have to do the opposite. So even if you know the pattern, you have to now think ahead of time to do it in reverse. Interesting. But I, I will still say Space Ace is probably the hardest game I've ever played. Okay, but you've only played the Super Nintendo one. This is like the original arcade uh, one. Did it come out on uh, Saturn? Because I think I might have played it on Saturn. It might. Actually, you know what? When I think back to my first time experiencing Space Ace, I'm pretty sure it was through Saturn. The Saturn? Uh, if there's a Saturn version, then yeah, that probably would have been more of close to what the arcade version was. Either way, it's it, just it was so frustrating video, that I just I played it for like 20 minutes and was like, okay, we're done. I, a game that's just that I also hard. found out that he has all the Zelda games on the CDI oh, as really? well. Yeah, like with boxes and manuals. And I'm like, oh, I want mm. it so bad. That's much more impressive. But that was the first time I got to really kind of get full hands-on with CDI other than like back when uh, Media Play was still a thing. <laughs> nice. Before that went out. What you been playing though? You been playing anything good? Actually, two, two games. I've been playing a lot more Rock Band 4. Why? See, I was I was hooked on Guitar Hero, you know, when that whole trend started. But somehow, my love of rock music has just, it hasn't changed. And the idea of, like, those old Guitar Hero games, I got really into just playing them because I got to hear all my favorite songs or whatever. The DLC's got to be a nightmare on that, though, to try to get all the songs and everything. It's not really about getting all the songs, especially, like, Rock Band 4, there's a reason why it's sold terribly. It's because the music on it is terrible. Now, didn't they do a new Guitar Hero recently with a new controller and everything? Yeah, it was like called, Guitar Hero Live, I think. Yeah, and that one also did really terrible. And I think a lot of what that is is people are tired of Guitar Hero. I think, you know, they started it, so they kind of have that stigma to it. Rock Band always got the looser, like, happier, like, reputation because they were the first ones to really embrace four-player co-op. And they, they really had a... Are you playing that with the family then? Like putting the wife on the drum set and being like, no singing. Drummers aren't allowed to sing. Actually, it's the other way around. You're I, on the drums? I'm, I'm the drummer in the house. And nice. then uh, once in a while, my wife likes to sing or even the kids like to sing. So they'll kind of rotate through that. And the music on it is so well diverse. Like there's Lady Gaga and Bruno Mars on there. <laughs> and then you have like Bullet for My Valentine and Trivium. Trivium <laughs> and then there's Metallica and... You know, so there's such a variation of music. Like, I bought the whole Dookie album on there. Nice. So it's like the music that came on it, I, 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 I honestly think is terrible. But the music that I've bought on there are all songs I really enjoy. So I really bought the album that made the game fun for me. But other people I play with, they like a lot of those random songs that kind of fall between pop and rock. And I, I think it's a really great experience still. And especially if you're like me, I'll play it like once every two weeks. So I'll play, I'll, I'll get on there, play like 10 songs. And it's like, I get that little, that little bit I want out of it. I put it away. I'll, I'll get it out in a couple more weeks again. So when are you buying DJ hero? <laughs> right. DJ heroes. That was a big fail. I'm, I'm sorry. There's, you know, there was, no, there was nothing rewarding about playing that game. I'm surprised that DJ hero came out as late as it did because I had, you remember that beat mania thing mm, that I got? Yep. That's like super popular in Japan and they only released one of them over here. I had two controllers for that too. For PlayStation 2? Yep. That's still a fun game. And I'm sure it is. And it, I don't know. Sometimes you get those games like DDR and stuff. If you just play them once in a great while, you don't have to play the games all the time to get some kind of great experience out of them. And I think those are those are perfect games that, may, yeah, they got way too popular and then they're worth nothing after a while. But they still have that experience that 
you know, if you just want to play a guitar to music and in a video game form, it's there for you. The greatest thing you can do is hook up uh, two TVs and do DDR on one and do Guitar Hero on the second. Just truly show off your sweet, awesome moves. Well, I, I remember on one of the Guitar Hero games, I did the guitar on Expert while singing using the headless, by using the mic. Really? Yeah, I did Weezer. Oh, no. Nice. Saying so. I did both, both parts. Love is a heartbreaker. We're going to get and, copywritten. No, that's where all the fans just shut it off. So it's cool. Your singing's terrible. <laughs> oh, shut up. So besides that, I've been playing Far Cry 5, which ah. was actually a huge surprise. So I had some people at work. They were, you mentioned that last week, too. Yeah. I, or the last show. I'm not a big Far Cry fan. Honestly, I, I, open worlds with really loose stories but just don't Ubisoft, do it for me. Ubisoft, and that's your favorite. Ubisoft is is pretty amazing. I, I'm not going to lie. Their Uplay system, especially... Um, you, I don't know if and you've used that's Uplay the at all. point system, right? It is. It's, where you can it's unlock basically extra content for it's being everything that service. what Sony and Xbox like almost promised with achievements and trophies, but never followed through with. Ubisoft did do it. Yeah, I remember you were supposed to be able to. Okay, so hold on for the fans that don't know. Uh, early Microsoft points and or gamer score points that you would earn from like Microsoft Xbox Live, you were supposed to be able to turn in those gamer score points. To get like new skins or new content based DLC on DLC of some DLC nature. DLC of some nature based on how well you're playing, and that's what your gamer score was originally used for. Yeah, but so after neither one of those kind of ever happened, Ubisoft decided to release Uplay, which was a way to kind of tie all their video games together through a system that you were given you play points or whatever. They were kind of like their own achievements or trophies that were built into their games that would send the points to the, your, your Uplay account. But if you go to your Uplay w- within the games, you can cash in those points to buy DLC, soundtracks, wallpapers, or themes for your background on your console. Now, what's, what's something that you've turned in? Isn't there like cross-promotional stuff? Like you can get a picture of uh, the Assassin's Creed guy or something? For... I'm totally the Assassin's Creed guy in Far Cry 5 right now. There you go. In... You know, and things like that. You, you or, have an Enzio skin or whatever for yep. Far Cry. Or what's even nicer about it is there are certain games, like say, like Rayman Legends. I used my UPlay points on that, and what I did is it gave me looms, which are like coins. So it kind of gave me a head start on the long, the longevity of the game. Like some of the some of the things in the game that take a really long time to get to to complete. Like you need like a million looms to unlock the best like Rayman skin. So you can preemptively unlock stuff because you've played other Ubisoft games. Yeah. Nice. And I think it's a really great way to get you to play other Ubisoft games. It has a, a weird way of, it's rewarding that the games I want to play a lot of, I get all these like built up points. It keeps you excited for other games then because then you get to see what some of your games carry over into other games. But Speaking of excitement. Right. So really the only big thing that's really happened that we haven't talked about is E3. We get the E3 aftermath. Dust has settled because we're a bi-weekly show. <laughs> yep. So well, it's E3. good because any, any additional information or anything that needed to be said is out there. And then we can kind of go, okay, what did people ignore? Let's talk about that. Well, it's not just that. It's also like, so there's a lot of publishers that do interviews. And other, so there's a lot of information that's taken during E3, but isn't released until like the week after or even two weeks out. And, and this is that's where we come in. And this is where we kind of pick up the scrape, <laughs> pick up the scraps and put them together and say, we, we talked about it first. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah. So this today is going to be an E3 show because there is a ton to talk about. And what do you got first on the docket then? 
honestly, we should really just dive right into the exclusives because I feel like what these conferences do best is they like to hype their exclusives because this this is how we really get into the certain councils. I mean, that, that's what separates us from PC at E3 because E3 doesn't really talk about PC much. So I feel like the conferences always highlight their own exclusives. I mean, we should probably start with Microsoft because they were... I want to say they they were the most surprising because they were also they were the most traditional style, but they were also they also dropped a lot of good news like the um, a lot of news. <laughs> well, the the indie developer thing is what really kind of threw me off because I saw that I was super blown away by that because they bought like how many? Yeah, so they went ahead and bought four studios. Okay, four. The studios. four studios were Playground Games, which did Forza. I mean, I I honestly I thought they owned them then, right? And I've always thought they owned them because Forza's. Playground games, I know they're in development for a couple other games right now. Okay. But they've just been the Forza machine and they've it's almost like what Gran Turismo is for Sony. It's mm-hmm. just like I just assumed they were I owned. assumed Forza was, yeah. So they're like, Oh, we're buying them. It's probably like, owned by Microsoft. <laughs> Microsoft just kept paying them and we're like, Okay, we're sick of this, guys. Just come with us. <laughs> Promptly. <laughs> and then they bought Ninja Theory, which I th- I thought was a huge that, one. That that's huge because Ninja Theory did a lot of the dead or live stuff. And I mean, well, they've kind of been buddy buddy with the Xbox since X- since, since the start of Xbox. since the OG Xbox, yeah, because they did uh, Ninja Gaiden was a huge, huge deal, and then I think the sequels were split on consoles. Yeah, they kind of went. They later kind of. I think well. they went all over the place, but Dead or Alive was huge. I mean, that was like a premium fighter for Xbox. What does that do for the rights for uh, Metroid Last M? Because didn't they develop that? They did, but. I'm assuming Nintendo published it for sure. Okay. I, I'm almost, I almost guarantee because Nin- Nintendo likes to publish all their exclusives because they like that, they like that ownership. Well, they're good like so that. So they're they're smart about it. But and then so we also have Undead Undead Games, which did State of Decay, which State of Decay One was amazing. I had uh, I had that on 360. Did you? Oh I, yeah. I didn't know you had the first one. Oh yeah. So the only thing I've well, really I, I was playing that at a friend's house religiously. So I I indirectly own that. I don't oh, think okay. I actually I, own a digital copy of that because you you know me with digital games. Yeah, not a big you, fan. Yeah, you suck. Whatever. That solid game though. Well, that was one of the incentives that made me want to buy an Xbox One though. Was when I saw that they did the like State the definitive. No, they oh, did the, the definitive, definitive edition. Yeah. So I mean, talk about State of Decay a little bit for people because I know there's going to be a lot of people who don't have Xbox, especially Xbox One. So what really is State of Decay? So State of Decay is the equivalent of an open world zombie game, which kind of sounds like it it makes sense, but it's very unique in the sense of like you kind of set up a base camp and you grow from there and make sure to protect people. So you're constantly going out for supplies. It's really the survival aspect is of it. Is it MMO or is it single player? Uh, what I was playing was single player. I never jumped online with anything. I think the second one is... Yep, focused on that multiplayer aspect, though. From what I've seen for the second one, it really is you jump into each other's games and you kind of you bring like one of your people into another person's game, and but if that person dies in that other person's game, they're gone for good out of well, your that was, game. That was one of the things was the permanence, and it's like you didn't want to mess with a pack of like four or more zombies. So there was like really difficult missions where you're trying to like clear out like a nest of zombies and stuff, just in order to like make sure that like. That's not like the spawn point in the area form, that type of thing. Yeah. So like you go liberate towns. Other cool thing was like you get in vehicles so you can drive around. Those vehicles all have health, uh, things like that. One of my favorite things, though, is that there's a button dedicated to opening up the car door. 
So when you're driving <laughs> down the road, you can just no. open up the oh, car door and, and just zombies. smash zombies. And, you know, zombies kind of exploded for a while, but I feel like now there's less zombie games coming out, but they're the quality. Higher quality. The quality is starting Absolutely. to... Absolutely. Because you have, like, Days Gone coming out soon. Days Gone looks good. And there's that Walking Dead game that's coming out, and it's just like... What's the Walking Dead one? I don't really know a whole lot about it right now. Well, after well, the last Walking Dead game that we played was... Oh, and, you know, it's not, Survival Instinct. Oh, <laughs> Oh my goodness! The textures didn't match up. The it animations glitched. were bla- bad. It kept Clipping. glitching. the The way you go between levels is all determined based on the like resources that you scounge. So it's like it honestly felt like they took a first person shooter, did not know how to distinctively set up the levels in between, and said, "Let's take something from a like PC desktop like Newgrounds game and incorporate that. Dude, it felt like such an old game on like the PS3 when we played it. So bad. It, it, it just felt incredibly old from the minute we played it. It, it was it was really disappointing. But so scripted on the events yeah, too. Yep. So zombies are coming back, which is is fine as long as the quality is there. But I then, think there's been enough mistakes where they can go and go. You know, this was really cool about this game. Let's take that and this and that, but let's not do any of the terrible stuff. <laughs> Hopefully. So, and then the last studio they bought is Compulsion Games, which is actually the most interesting of the four, because I don't think Compulsion Games has a whole lot under their belt as far as pre- what previously. What do they have right really- now? They got something big right now, don't they? And that's actually, so last year at E3, they announced We Happy Few. Oh, that's that, like, drug-addled uh, dystopian future where you take pills to be happy and it changes the scenery. It almost has a Bioshock feel. It, it does. It has that feel of Bioshock, and it has the, the imagery, I think, that kind of matches Bioshock, too, where it's just, everything's kind of just off a little bit. And then, obviously, the drug use kind of adds to that Bioshock effect. But what Was it Equilibrium? Uh, Equilibrium. That movie... Okay. Where it was like Fahrenheit. Yep. Uh, Fahrenheit was a 451. I can't remember number. <laughs> Whatever. Yep. Um, no, but it's like uh, in that movie, they would go and they would inject themselves with the drugs to kind of keep their emotions stable. Yep. And it's that same principle. But then when your drugs are wearing off, you start seeing all the creepy stuff and people think you're acting differently and you have to go and like avoid them and stuff. Yeah. And I, I, the, I mean, you really hit it. I mean, that's what this game is. And, it's the idea that your your main character isn't taking the drugs anymore and you're starting to see through all that drug-riddled world and you're starting to see the unhappiness that really exists. And I was totally sucked in by its trailer. And it was shown at Xbox last year, so I'm not completely surprised that they bought them because the hype is pretty high on this game. And I, I believe it is that exclusive or is that going to get released for everything still? It's released for everyone because the first one is not published by Microsoft. Oh, they were already contracted a publishing right to another company. So it's for everything, which honestly, it's smart for that to be on everything because what it's going to do is expose that game to all systems. And then, and then if they make a sequel and it, and if it's an exclusive sequel, it will make it a system seller. See, the, so it's, it's it the works. opposite of the Titanfall scenario where yeah, Titanfall, Titanfall was like exclusive Xbox One and well, and 360, but they're like <laughs> exclusive Xbox One. And then everyone's like, oh, I got to get this. And then they got the system. And then the second one was available on everything and yep. support for the first one died so quickly. Yep. So I, I honestly, if Titanfall had done the same thing where they were on everything and then they had the second and then one, just on Xbox, down. the second one was really good. Yeah. So it would, it, it's amazing that We Happy Few is going this route because they're they're being set up for some real success, and I, I really hope that game is good because it's on everything, so I get to play it. Well, it's nice to see Microsoft kind of embracing these smaller developers and everything that are trying riskier new things. Because I mean, 
we we let's face it on the show we rag on xbox a lot but it's because they had such a limited selection whatever you could get on their system you could get on other systems you, pc so there was no PC incentive is really they 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 lose that 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 cool like the coolness to it because i can be like oh i just go buy it on steam yeah you know like it kind of kind of kills it yeah steam's available on linux microsoft and you know <laughs> yeah so it, stuff, it just so. doesn't work very well but you know after all my gripe the idea that they bought these four studios really means something and it means that they're listening to the community more so than anything else because i know let's face it they've pretty much lost this entire console war they're trying to bridge that community though with a lot of cross-play stuff because if you yeah. notice they've been isolating a lot of their like pc stuff they're like hey you're on xbox live or microsoft live or however they yep. code it windows now. whatever yeah, your, yep. your windows whatever their windows platform and they're like our console is also a windows platform you guys need to be playing together. So they're trying to merge that whole thing and do this vertical integration thing. Yep. And that's what they put at E3. I mean, their mission statement at this point is we can't make better games, but we can make them more accessible. Mm -hmm. So they're, they want you to be able to play a Microsoft game on your phone, on your tablet, yep. on your PC, on your Xbox, but be able to play them all together, which it's smart for them because they're, they're going for that quantity over quality, which it's still fine, but in the four studios they bought, all they're really doing is they're cementing in those exclusives they already have, along with some potential new exclusives that can really sustain their model. Well, I think with them looking at like uh, Fortnite, PUBG, and seeing how those things have gone from console to also mobile now, yep. they're realizing that their Windows mobile market actually might work. So I'm wondering to see what they're going to do. I'm waiting for them to kick out a gaming phone. Like no, a hardcore, and they'll call it Zune, and people will just laugh at them. Whatever, they'll be like the Zune phone. It's cool. The Zune phone would work. They had a, uh, they had that in um, was it Guardians of the Galaxy too? They had yep. that Zune reference. Yep, which was fantastic to use the reference, but no, that Zune was terrible. Yeah, but I mean, if you make something so uncool that it's cool again, I feel like that's Microsoft fine. could do that. Because I mean, that that's the mo of Microsoft at this point. Like, I had the original Xbox, loved it. No one loved Xbox for the longest time. And then eventually I was like, oh, Xbox for life, man, when 360 came out. No one touched the original Xbox. Buffy was a great game. You guys are all idiots. You're such a hipster. I know. So I gotta, I gotta before we end Xbox, we should we have to mention the other two, which would be Halo Infinite, which, I mean, they showed us a title. And I don't know if you realize, I, it was like a two-minute video of I hate scenery. titles. It, they I showed, hate the title card <laughs> thing. There's only one company that I'm like, I give them a pass because they've done it so many times before, but it worked out, and that's that? for Elder Scrolls. Oh, yeah. I mean, because Elder Scrolls did that too this year, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, there there were a here's couple. Here's some scenery. Here's some fancy graphical text. Yep. Get sucked in. All, oh, are you that, ready for this yet? I bet you are. All that screams to me is that those games are next generation guaranteed. You think and so? Because because they're not showing anything. Well, let's face it. How E3 works is one year you announce the game. The second year, you show gameplay. And the third year, the game releases. It's almost always that format. It's so rare. Basita, I mean, they go around that quite frequently. They're, hey, like, no, Fallout releases in two months. You know, and that's great for them because they're a private company and they can keep those things to themselves. ZeniMax owns them and they're just, they're stuck to doing whatever ZeniMax wants. Nevertheless, they're a private company. Yeah. So they don't have these quarterly meetings where they have to tell the public what they're working on. And the accountability for profits are not squeezed into quarters, they're squeezed into years. Yeah. So they have a little more flexibility on how they release their video games, which is fine. But 
Halo Infinite, why even say the title card? I mean, come on. Because it's like, Halo. What, what did it do? It sure didn't say that it was going to be for Xbox One. And if they call the next one Xbox Two, I'm just that's nuts. Like, well, here's okay. My question is, yeah, there there was uh there was a couple other things that looked what I would consider next gen, mm-hmm. and we'll we'll get to that in a second. But with the like half step that we've taken with consoles, because there's the PS4 Pro, there's the Xbox One, One X. S X X. I'm still going with Scorpio just because that was a way better name. Uh, I mean, are we going to get another console or you got to realize like as developers work on consoles and stuff near the end of a console's life, the games get better because they understand how to uh, compress the data, how to utilize the graphics card better, how to just make everything run way better. And if you do that and you go, Hey, everything, if you can make everything run tight, but now we're giving you this additional horsepower to do just a little bit more. You can go and you can get some amazing next gen looking stuff on these current pro systems. Unfortunately, there's there's two circumstances that come of that. You have the good one, which is Last of Us, which comes out at the very end of the system. It's going to be a critical darling for life because it was just the best PS3 could be was Last of Us. I always forget that that was a PS3 game. And again, right Because, yeah, the, the Definitive Edition yep. came out. And then, yep, they re-released it immediately. And then you have the other side of it. You have, like, Assassin's Creed Unity. Games that get caught in the in-between... So the, they get caught in development cycles. Because they don't know what they want to be, which system they want to be for. Well, they don't dedicate themselves, and they try to make it so they can kind of cross-platform between the two Back of them. Back to Microsoft, that was my problem with Titanfall. Was it, it was like... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Titanfall you know, was that, obvious. That was like... I was like, holy crap, this is on Xbox One. I got to get this. And then they announced it for three, yeah, 360, and I'm like, I just pick it up and play that there. And I did that, and it was garbage. Yeah. There's, there's well, some it was issues. bad. Yeah, and Tomb Raider... Also, the when Tomb Raider came out, where it was Xbox exclusive, oh, for I was like, like oh. a year long, yeah. And I, I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna get the 360 one. There was so many bugs in it, and I was like, they clearly offed this to another company to kind of like downgrade and release. So you know, it kind of goes back and forth. But I'm definitely expecting a new console announcements or releases in 2020. Just because of the Last of Us Two thing, I, I just kind of see that hindering your. There's been there's some subtle announcements by like Sony and Xbox about like their time framing for things and developers have kind of mentioned a few things i can definitely see with how they're doing this stuff next year they'll these games that they're starting to the the story cards for the title cards for there's all they're doing is setting themselves up so next year they can be like this game will be released on next gen and then the following year well the year of the release of the console they're going to show the gameplay on that console watchdogs kind of did that too if i remember correctly so i picked up the ps3 version of watchdogs was wasn't bad, but, but it, it was clearly under better suited for well, a lot of the cool stuff that they shown was cut. But I mean, once again, that's me. I hate it when I get overhyped for something. I'm like, oh, it looks so good, and it's that presentation crap. Which, which is what E3 is all about. Which it's good and it's bad. I honestly, I love E3 and I love watching the presentations. But part of that's because I I like watching public speaking. But also, I just kind of like that. You un- just you just made yourself extremely boring there. I enjoy public speaking. I do. I can't help it. I, I like it when they talk about shareholder announcements. I I really enjoy how they come out because they're different than a normal CEO. You you they come out in their jeans and their stupid looking shirts and or they're balding. They, they just they don't look like your typical rich guy. Yeah. And they come out and they give this presentation. And they're like, "Here's fun. Pay me money." Yep. 
All right. So they, they have this like artsy way of coming out and doing a, a real professional. Did you also watch like Apple Keynotes things I've, too then? And then I've watched a few. <laughs> <laughs> of course you would. And then, then you have Sony come out and they kill it repeatedly because they come out with these like high profile CEOs that know what they're doing and and they're great. And so you kind of see it. And then you have Nintendo you who remember. plays with toys on stage and has surprised guest appearances by mascots and things. So you kind of just see that spectrum of the how these different companies work. You remember, like Nintendo's always like been there for kids, and you know you're getting fun with them. Yeah, and I mean they're just never they never take it too seriously. It's always something fun, kind of lighthearted, like here or there. Microsoft is still, I want to say, still like the youngest person in the game because think about it, like oh they are PlayStation. Has been doing this for years. What original PlayStation came out mid nineties? Yeah, but know what they do differently? It's obvious that they're Silicon Valley. If you look Microsoft, at, yeah. If you look at, the, I, they're obviously out of Seattle. Yeah, but if you look at their attitude and behavior and it, how they dress and how they do things, they scream like U.S. Silicon Valley. Yeah, but you look at Sony PlayStation. You look at what they've done, and they're very professional, Quiet, the, traditional, yeah, very traditional, and especially like this year with in the last couple of years, how they've used music in their presentation. They very much hit these like real traditional Asian models of how they do demonstrations. Well, they had the dude on the drums, right? Yeah, for God of War. Or the, and then, it was, no, it was a flute thing. This year was a flute. They the, did the they flute did, thing was dope. That dude, that dude is like a grandmaster flutist or something. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I saw like the internet blowing up, like hating on him. They're like. Why is it a white guy for a, uh, what was the name yep. of the game? Um, Ghost of Tsushima? Yes. So, like, yeah, the the samurai game that looked yep. really super and good we'll, intense. And we'll get into that. All right, yeah, we'll jump into but, that next. Uh, so, I mean, just to kind of end this, uh, as far as Ethan Microsoft goes, end. Micro, yeah, Microsoft, this is Silicon Valley, and it's, and it's prime. I mean, when you look at the company, they're very American. A lot of the companies they buy, American companies. They're, they're really Ninja Theory. <laughs> Ninja Theory. But, you know, actually, I don't know if Compulsion Games is American either. I Honestly, the more I think about it, I'm, I'm going to completely pull that back because I don't know if any <laughs> of them are American. They yeah, diversify. A, a, Xbox is an American company, and I feel like they they like to demonstrate that, and the types of games they buy are very much targeted towards an American audience. I mean, we're so, one of the biggest audiences then, out there. And then PlayStation, they're very much the Asian culture, traditional Asian culture, yep. and then Nintendo is all fun. <laughs> yeah, like... They're the, they're like that weird ant that you just don't know what they're what gift they're bringing. They with show up and they're like, "Do I get a present or do I get a purse full of candy? What am I getting this yeah. time?" And, and either I think, way, it's gonna be bad for me, and I'm gonna love it. And that's what I like going there to see. I, I like to see those different personalities and what they bring to the show. And Xbox did it. I mean, I, I thought Xbox they, definitely I, stepped I, up. Yeah, they they stepped up. They look good this year. They looked real. And then, good. I mean. The next, it's definitely worth talking about PlayStation because their format completely changed because the last couple of years, they kind of followed how Xbox did it this year. They they threw the shotgun of games at you, just tons of trailer after trailer after trailer. They're, they A little bit of talking, some cool music demonstrations. They, got, a, got a war last year with the, or, they had that full orchestra yep. last year. Amazing. Like I said, the flutist dude this year or whatever. Yep. I, I don't know what that instrument is exactly, but that <laughs> I, dude, <laughs> I don't either. Well, like I, I was but it up. was basically a... A type of flute. It's it's traditional, and it's like that dude grandmastered that. And like I remember the internet was getting like super pissed because they're like, um, Asian game and a white guy, and it's like, no, this this dude knows what he's doing. You guys yeah. need to chill, <laughs> right? Overreacting, angry for sure. internet again. Weeks later, 
everything's cooled off. That guy's never going to be social oh. media trending again. Yeah, no, he's fine. So, <laughs> so PlayStation comes at you. They're like, we're skipping everything else. We're going to do a couple of subtle announcements, but we're really here for four games. We're going to talk about Last of Us 2, Spider-Man, Ghost of Tsushima, and Death Stranding. Right, which well, we, we should quickly throw out Death Stranding because... Because you have no idea what the hell the game's about. Well, nobody does, but... On a bigger fact, I th I think that game is overhyped because of the developer. Um, I don't remember his name. The Metal Gear Solid developer. Hideo Kojima. There you go. Know your stuff. I don't play the Metal Gear games. I I, I just I don't. I don't day. like I don't like stealth style games. So those games have never been. You don't uh, want no Splinter Cell. You don't want no Sam Fisher. So I I don't know. It's just he's never been for me in general. So seeing it from more of the outside perspective, instead of just having my eyes glazed over that he's making a game. I mean, all I see from this game, I see a lot of mystery to it, which is fine because I don't really want to know what the game is about because it's obvious it's a next generation here's, game. Here's my take on it. The reason why the mystery is there is because when he left, because you know about the whole falling out with Hideo Kojima and Konami. Of course. And it was basically they like kicked him out. Like he got fired, I guess, or like banned after the last Metal Gear game. Uh, they canceled his uh, PT project, which was the code name for Silent Hill yep. that he's supposed to be working on. And Silent Hill, he was supposed to have Norman Reedus and Gelmel Del Toro, the guy who did yep. Hellboy, Pan's Labyrinth, all that weird, creepy monster shape stuff. Shape of Water. Come on. Sha yeah, Shape Well, there you Hemi go. Award winning. Of course. You know, Whatever. I'll leave that out. Fish sucks. Yeah. Fish <laughs> sucks. Um, so when he goes to leave to go and do Death Stranding, I think he's taking a lot of the ideas that he wasn't allowed to use when PT got canceled that he didn't put down on Konami's books and he's able to take it and reshape it into something else that's just as bizarre, just as wonderful. And Norman Reedus is involved again and Galnell Del Toro is involved again. Yep. He he brought that that group with him to this next game, but I know just And the I, and the industry has support for him because he's been a veteran for so long. And he's a huge PlayStation supporter. Oh, yeah. He, I mean, he's just always been well, all about PlayStation. When so he, no surprise that it was PlayStation be a PlayStation 1, the original Metal Gear. How, like, hey, the only other multi disc game that you can really think of, you know, up Besides until like X, X Files and Mist and X Files <laughs> doesn't count because that was all video footage. Mist. Mist was only one disc, I thought, too. Was that multi disc? I think it was multi disc because it was a big, dumb game. Well, sorry. I, I hate Mist. That's fine. You just. <laughs> It, but this yes, was important on besides PC. the Final Fantasy games. Besides Final Fantasy Metal games, because Final Fantasy was, games was, was hey, multi-disc, and then you know you have Metal Gear, and it's got that big sweeping orchestra score. It's got a very well, it was clearly targeted towards Americans, but had that uh, Asian influence. You know that yep. Oriental influence. I'm probably going to get yelled at for saying that. I don't know what the politically correct term is anymore <laughs> for that, but had that you know very very Eastern influence on it and it was cool because like that game inspired so much on the western front that then we got like tom clancy's splinter cell out of that to bring sam fisher back into it <laughs> yeah and it's clearly the better one of the two because we haven't had a sam fisher game in forever yeah those those games had had their own qualities but so to kind of get to the next game is dude we have, we have so much to talk i about. know i'm sorry uh, okay so the next one ghost of tsushima i don't know did you see the trailer for that yes. one yes so that movie, or movie, that movie, so that game looks awesome. And, and the fact that it almost looks like a samurai showdown, it looks like it's going to be like, I a, got like a Bushido blade vibe off of it. Yep. But it's going to, or for honor. I, I think it's going to be one of those games where it's going to be kind of a 
not an open world game, but it's going to be like an open action RPG type game mm-hmm. that it's going to be really focused on one-on-one combat, which is something they don't have a lot of. I mean, sometimes I feel like the Dark Souls games in the most cases is one-on-one combat because a lot of times you're fighting, you know, one boss or you try to take on enemies one-on-one because if you get in a group, you die. Yeah. Like, you're guaranteed death. So I think it's cool that they're going that route and it's a really artsy Asian game. So that really just feels like it's a perfect fit for the PlayStation and it looks beautiful. Well, it looks like it's on a 5K. Like you said, their 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 presentation is very traditional. Yep. And to go and have games that are like traditional history. I remember uh last time that they tried to do like an American thing with the traditional. Do you remember? Oh, it was one of those bad E3 things, the giant spider. No, I don't remember. Oh, that. I'll pull up that video later. <laughs> it's like they're like tried to make a traditional Japanese game and they're like, oh yeah, this is based on real world events and takes place in China and the whole Eastern thing. And they're like, it's all historically accurate. And then this giant like mechanical spider rolls out and they're like, yeah. And then you got to hit it for massive damage. I think you need to put that on the, on our page. I will, I will find that clip and I'll send that to you and we'll get that Facebook page. Yes. (laughs) So besides those two games, they really showed off two games, which are the two relevant games because Spider-Man comes out this year. Well, same developer. Yep. And then, both Naughty Dog, right? No. I thought Naughty Dog was Insomniac doing... Insomniac is doing... Um, oh, my bad. ...is doing Spider-Man. And then Last of Us, which is Naughty Dog. Those two games are really important to Sony right now because Last of Us 2 is definitely coming out next year. And then Spider-Man comes out in September. So, I, got, I got a little more excited for Spider-Man. I know I was trashing on it a while ago, but you, know, you, you gave me... Uh, I gave you the game. I I gave you the Game Informer, but not to mention the internet exploded now that they've really released a lot of gameplay and they've really they've really illustrated what that game's gonna be. I have a little bit more hope for it now than what I did because anytime that you do an E3 game and it's all shiny and polished and it's isolated to one area, I'm like, yeah, of course it runs well and looks beautiful because it's all they're they're glossing it up preemptively before they go and send it out to you to look at. But they also didn't do themselves any justice because the first real experience you get with the game, they show it off as all QuickTime events, which kind of gave the the game a bad reputation because people just expected it to be more of a QuickTime type game like the old God of War games, which they've definitely proven otherwise. It's it's very much more of an Arkham type game and a much bigger city with a lot of really cool ways of playing. I I don't know, like seeing all all these different types of ways of using your web and just how smooth it looks that you can wall wall run and just jump off whatever and just do some like Arkham with all the different tools you had. I, I don't know. I'm super impressed the by it. The fluidity of the accuracy is what really worries me and is my major concern. Because I want the animation to be fluid. That is how you get prettier games, you know? The animation where it looks like you can transition from, you know, running up a building to back flipping off to landing on a guy. How are you going to guarantee that without making it overpowered where you're just, Oh, you're just hitting one button to go and win. I want something where you're making the intention of going and doing different specific moves to dispatch enemies. I want that fluidity transitioning from each enemy how do you make that accurate without making it seem like you're just touching one button the entire time? Yeah, and I don't know. So far, just the people who have played it have said really great things about it. So I'm really hoping all that comes through. And then 
my my usual concern with those type of games, the story. I mean, you're expecting something really grand, and that's what Arkham actually excelled at. The their three the Rocksteady games all really excelled at. What was Seven, the other one? Origins. Origins, which I'm still gonna stand by, wasn't bad, but the gameplay wasn't as great. So well, it was Rocks- a prequel though too. Yep, which was fine because it had Deathstroke, my my favorite character in it. So you know that that definitely helped it for me personally. But it definitely is the worst of the four. But what made those games kind of stand out was not only the gameplay was great, but it also had a strong story to support it. And they, you know, they got Mark Hamill involved and they, they really nailed those games. Spider-Man, they had, they brought in Dan Slott. He's wrote like a hundred issues or more of amazing Spider-Man. So he's really, he's the comic book artist. He's, he's been responsible for Spider-Man for like the last five years. So if they're going to get a story, a comic book story, they went to the right guy. Well, it's I something think. more modern too. He's been doing the modern Spider-Man, and he's done some really cool, crazy things with Spider-Man. So by them showing off the Sinister Sticks and the new trailer, I mean those are six big villains that they they can do a lot with them. Especially Doctor Octopus. I mean he's Dan Slott. I think has done the most with Doc Ock out of most of the artists that have worked on Spider-Man. And, he's, and did he do that current run where they? Uh minor spoiler i don't think switched minds right yeah yes. that was dan okay, slot that was dan slot yep, so and that was superior spider-man that was good which was another one of his runs so dan slot gives me a little he knows more how fit. to tell a story yeah and he's familiar with with those characters because i feel like sometimes you get a lot of those outside guys that they go to cons- they consult with like marvel or dc but they're not marvel or dc so by working directly with them or being from within marvel you're getting, he has more information and more understanding of that character than anybody else. So I think he can, the, like the side quest, his side quest could be straight out of the books that nice. he wrote, you know, because he has that kind of personal relationship with the character. Well, top that off with the actual good gameplay that you're going to get now that I know that it's decent, then yeah, you're going to get an overall great product from that, I think. Yeah. And then Last of Us 2. I mean, did you end up beating Last of Us 1? Nope. That's disappointing. Because you know me, I'm yeah. slow and steady. I will say that that game had one of the best intros, though. Right it, up there with uh, the original Bioshock. Anyone out there that has not played Last of Us that somehow has an opportunity on a PlayStation 3 or a 4? get a definitive edition on PlayStation 4 for, like, I think, like, probably 20 bucks. Yep. And Or, if you really have no access to it, go watch YouTube, the first hour of Last of Us, just to see that scene. I know it's a cop-out for it, but there are going to be those people that have Xbox or Nintendo systems that deserve to still see that because that is such a powerful example of how to make a video game. And I cannot wait to see what they do with the second game. Now that I've seen the gameplay, I mean, they, they they showed off the game last year at E3 with a video that was incredibly violent. And it kind of worried people that the game was going to be too dark and too violent. And then the gameplay this year, real dark, real violent again, but it looked incredible. I I will say this. One thing of The Last of Us, the original, when they announced that and you saw, um, who's the main character in that? What was his name? Do you know it? I can't remember. Ellie's the 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 girl. girl. Well, it's it's (laughs) your character and Ellie running through and you go and you get ambushed by those like three people and the original last of us trailer or gameplay footage. I was like, wow, this looks really good. Can you actually do this? And then that was that it was released on PS three, the PS, you know, it was clearly aimed better for the PlayStation four. 
And I think the PlayStation 4 captured a lot of that hype from E3. So I'm actually glad that that was one of those games that kind of transitioned over. I didn't play the PS3 version. I got to play the PlayStation 4 version. And I was really kind of stoked about having what you saw at E3 was actually what you got for once. But that was me being slow and delayed and going and picking up a copy of it later on. You know, when I looked at the, the gameplay for number two, it was crazy to see like all the ways you can approach an enemy. I guess that what I feel I, like Days Gone has kind of the same thing going on with it, it too. It for does, the trailer. and it, they do kind of have that similar vibe. But we can go into Days Gone a little bit. But with Last of Us Two, and what it shocked me the most about the gameplay they've shown, they have not shown a single monster. Really? No. And I'm curious because the first one, there was a lot of them. I mean, you'd go through phases where there's a lot of monsters and then it'd be like back to fighting a lot of humans. And it kind of went back and forth. But in the second one so far, they've shown nothing about the monsters of the game. So I wonder if this game, since it is in the future of the game, that maybe the monsters are starting to die off and it's becoming more humans again. Okay. So you you think it's more of a survival type scenario uh, within like, like their society e- falling apart opposed to the monsters that ripped society apart to begin with. Yeah, like almost like an evolution of society where it, the monsters come in, they wipe out people, and then people start to grow and retake the world. And then that's where you have a Wild Wild West game, and then they compete with Red Dead. <laughs> that would I, Naughty Dog is the one company that could probably take on. Well, they could set it up to play like that. And then you could still have your weird out. <laughs> I, don't, I don't... Yeah, I don't... Honestly, I'm I'm pumped. I, I'm I could not be more excited. But to kind of the last one since we days gone, we we already mentioned them. Basically, they're coming out with a zombie game full of it's it's a guy on a motorcycle that open, open world open world zombie. But it's kind of cool because the zombies themselves are kind of a, a more random like built in engine to the game where the hordes of zombies and stuff kind of float on their own. It has its own director in the game, so. Your experience will be different than other people's, so I'm really. They haven't said the numbers of the zombies that they have coming at you in that with that roaming horde or whatever looks equivalent to reminds me of uh, Dead Rising when that was announced. They're like, we have 500 zombies on the screen. Yeah, well, they actually showed 500 zombies on their screen, and it it looks pretty cool. But I don't know, like, there's no hype for it, which I I think might actually be a good thing. If that game comes out and it just lands really well with a strong story and this like cool new way to approach a zombie game, again, the quality of zombie games, if this game hits that quality, that's awesome. But if it doesn't, you know, it'll kind of fade out. And, it, you know, out of all the recent success of PlayStation exclusives, it wouldn't surprise me if one of them finally goes down as not a perfect game. Like, people say, I mean, I'm not going to say any of them are perfect, but a lot of them have been great. So... You know, Days Gone might finally be that that point where we hit one of those, eh, well, that wasn't as good as, well, God of War. Well, uh, I know you're a fan of Rage when that came out. Yeah. Are you stoked for Rage 2 then? Because I heard that that got announced. You know, that was one of the most shocking announcements that of this it, year. That I, it even got announced. I'm like, where did that come from? Again, Basita, they don't have to announce anything in advance. They don't have to really play it up with the media. They can kind of, you know, sporadically announce something. But Rage 2, that game was so fun and no one played it. <laughs> well, I think like a few bad reviews caught it at the beginning, but the technology that went into it made it fun. How you had the different factions. 
because I played a little bit with you and the fact that there's like you go into like the turf of like those like monkey swinging guys and they use the environment they're like a acrobatic like street yep. gang and you Tri- go into there's the a lot sewers of tribal, tribal gangs and, and they're like swinging from pipes and stuff and like back flipping off walls and they were a very unique style of enemy to fight but they were you know exclusively in their like turf area yep. which was kind of sweet and like the engine for rage that uh because that's john carmack yep it was ed the uh the guy who did um uh doom creator of doom yeah um and quake and all that stuff yep he's really good at pushing and creating technology that does amazing things and what he did with rage was really quite phenomenal so when they announced rage 2 i'm like i don't think anyone's gonna be excited for this one either but i feel like by the time rage 3 rolls around then people are gonna be like oh greatest game ever and like jump on it really late this is another one of those games that has the opportunity to to be really great because i think the gap that they they see is i think they're actually looking to drop this in as a substitute for the lack of Borderlands. From what I saw, Rage, it still has a lot of those great combat elements, but they kind of spiced it up by giving it a lot more vibrant colors and a little more RPG elements with like seeing their health. Like when you shoot them, that yeah. actually shows a certain amount of hit points taken. I think they're they're taking some of those elements that people love about Borderlands, minus the bazillion gun thing. Kind of filling in the void. Yep, and they're making a, an alternative to that, and they're releasing it before Borderlands 3 which it could be a perfect storm for them because, I mean, the first one didn't have a lot of identity and cool things about the game, but when I think of the story of the game, I don't remember anything about it. So I just remember the factions. That's all I remember. Yeah, the tribal stuff was cool in it, but it didn't really have enough identity as a game that fit. It was was a video game video game. Like, it had that very generic story in a post-apocalyptic world. But it was pretty. It was really pretty. And it had bladed boomerangs, which were awesome. So they're like... The second one, we're going to not worry about the story. Let's really focus on making the combat more fun. And now, especially in a world where multiplayer is such a bigger thing, I can't wait to see what the multiplayer is for this because the first game was car combat. Mm-hmm. They didn't have like a traditional multiplayer except for they had, they had couch co-op. But and I but those have, were those were isolated to missions because you yep. and I went and cleared out like I think there's six of them, all five or six of them. Yep. Uh. And you know that was cool that they kind of experimented with the car combat and also had those little couch co-op missions. But what they can do now in this current generation, there's a lot of potential, and we'll see what happens with it. But we should probably finish before we get into like some of the random games. We should really really mention Nintendo. Nintendo being different, they did their Nintendo's own. Nintendo's always just. On their own level, man. Like, Nintendo, if you stack platforms of, like, competition and pillars, Nintendo's, like, off in the corner just being, like, just dancing on a table somewhere. Counting their money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, Nintendo, the Nintendo Direct, and they, they kind of handled their own their own way of doing things, and they focused 99% of it on Smash Brothers Ultimate. Okay. So, my take on that, because I'm going to throw this at you. I feel like this is the first Smash game where all they did was ask the hardcore fans of like Melee and the fighting community scene what they wanted and are really actually finally custom tailoring it to their needs. Yep. And I mean, for them to break down every change in every single character screamed pro because all they're doing is it takes it's a, a pro, pro fighting game. Yeah, it takes a pro to really care about some of those really small differences. I could have not cared about ninety percent of those 
there, there were only a couple characters. I'm like, all I want to see is Kirby. Get through all these people. Show me my Kirby. And what did you ruin him with this time? And, you know, it was cool. They showed a couple new characters. You got Ridley. Ridley was, well, I mean, he was demanded for, for years. For, yep. And so it, it's cool that they have a couple new. I still want to see Gino. I want Gino or Mallow from uh, Super Mario RPG. You haven't oh, played yeah. that yet. Yeah, I've played Super Mario. Have you played yeah, that? I played it. All right. I played it on Wii on the virtual oh, console. Oh, my goodness. You and your. That's what I got. That's what I, that's what I play with. So, I mean, they show all those. They break down. So, just to kind of break it down, Smash Brothers Ultimate. Every character from every single game. Um, I don't know if it's going to be every level from every game, but it seems like what they've done is... I think, I think they're doing every level, and every level has the uh, Omega stage or Alpha stage or whatever, which is the traditional just two to three tier platform for yeah. the pro scene. The final destination. Yeah, the final destination. Version of type. every level, yeah. which I thought was really cool that they did that because... I played a lot of Brawl and a lot of the other games as well, but it gets boring to play just the Final Destination background I think, over yeah. and over and over again. It's like, to just theme it Pokemon, let me play the same level, but have that at least that different theme with different music. Yeah. I'm like, that that at least changes up the experience a little bit and kind of... See, I like all the uh, RNG level. RNG stands for random, for those of you who don't know. God, I gotta cover that stuff. <laughs> uh, the random levels, all the random levels where it's like the the DS chat screen or the Game and Watch level the where Game random stuff pops crazy. in and just wrecks people because then people are like, oh, it's unfair. And it's like, no, you. A lot of the like professional because we got some friends that do some professional fighting, and they will go and they will throw down really hardcore. They know hit percentage how high, what moves launch you, what angle to attack. And you put them on a stage where they're trying to pay too attention to what moves I'm doing to take me out that they don't see the doorway opening and the mom coming out with like the death ray that blows them off screen. They're like, oh, not fair because it's so random. And again, that's why I, I think Final that. Destination again brings it back to that everyone wanted to play that because it was like the fair way to play where they could always predict yeah. every minute of Final the level. Destination, no items. Now, how did you feel about the tra- the moving levels, like Ice Climbers and F-Zero? Some of those I enjoyed. It all depend on the layout, like the Rainbow one, the Rainbow oh, yep. the, uh, the Rainbow Cruise or whatever. Yeah. Rainbow Cruise was uh, kind of good because it at least changed direction at time. Yep. So you're looking for the next platform. And I know that, you know, the professionals absolutely hate those levels. But I enjoy that and I enjoy playing with items because they're fun, you know? I, I did appreciate the fact that they made the smashes a lot cleaner now too. Cause they're like, I think they're trying to incorporate the smash ball into the competitive scene, which is usually left off because some people's smashes were way better than other people's because certain ones you had to direct and other ones you could just hit and it would automatically do something like they got rid of the landmaster, yep. which was kind of cheap, but you had to control it and everything. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Like, it's cool that they kind of brought all this together and they threw it on the switch, especially, especially the go factor to be able to, I mean, it can play, it can play multiplayer anywhere you go. So oh, yeah. you can just randomly meet up with someone and play two player. My Smash question Brothers. is how are they going to integrate GameCube controllers? Because that is still everyone's the adapter hardcore love. I know, but now you're carrying an adapter around with your switch. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be a gonna mobile be brawl. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be sloppy, but I think it's, it's still that for again, how much people love that system. It's, it, there's going to be brawl parties. Uh, there always will there's be. There's always going to be brawl parties. 
It'd be kind of cool. They could filter it where the only brawl characters are available, or only like melee characters are available. Like, oh, you can filter over the characters to only make that that. But like we play sixty four one the most. To only have the stick the classic characters oh, like, available. Since every character is available, you can go and you can be like, "Hey, this is a sixty four brawl only," and it just locks out the characters from yep. sixty four. So I, I think there's some still cool potential, and they could still add more characters. Actually, oh, I mean, yeah. there's nothing saying that well, they, they won't did make that more prior, DLC. And I'm surprised that they got the licensing rights Dude, Cloud for all is the back. previous characters. So, I know. So happy about Cloud. That was back. cool, He's man. OP. I enjoyed him. Uh, Ryu's back. Or yep. Ryu, depending on how you say it. And then let's face it, we should probably mention a couple other games because one, I'm is my system seller. Which is funny because you're not a Nintendo guy it, at it, all, except for two things: Fire Emblem, which Fire Emblem Three Houses announced for 2019. Well, there you go. It's been like 10 years since they've had a console Fire Emblem game. I'm I am so excited so, for that. I am, I am so excited. I have played all the prior ones on 3DS, and they're all great. It was the only thing that got you into mobile gaming, too, wasn't it? No, I, I hated that mobile game. It, it just it smelled like cashing in. What? It was terrible. I, I'm not even going to go into that. That game upset me no, so no i didn't i didn't mean mobile i meant handhelds oh yes like that's y- what got yes. you to get handhelds yep that and pokemon yeah pokemon this year not in particular they've already announced that next year 2019 there will be a official pokemon series coming on the switch which is fantastic well the wait. last one that i can remember that was even remotely close to that was what was it uh xd or dx darkness Instead yeah gale of darkness gale, or whatever gale of darkness on, on the gamecube gamecube yep yeah because that played like Mostly, like, except you captured the bad guy's Pokemon, which I thought was, it was kind of a weird direction to go, but it worked. So this year, they actually announced Pokemon Let's Go. So everyone knows what Pokemon Go is because it took over the world for, like, two months and caused several accidents and several people walked in front of trains and got shot trespassing into people's property. But Still the safest time for America. (laughs) (laughs) But... On a bigger note, so they've released these Switch games that are a way to actually integrate Pokemon Go with a game that's similar to Pokemon Yellow, which is the one where it's kind of the the old style of Pokemon game, but you had a Pokemon trail behind you. And I haven't seen a whole lot of details about like what you're doing within the game itself, but if it plays anything like Pokemon Yellow, where you still go town to town and fight trainers, that's still pretty cool, especially if the Pokemon you use in the game are the ones from Pokemon Go that you capture locally. So it's really going to be mostly the original 151 type Pokemon because they, they've they slowly introduced the newer Pokemon. They've done updates. A, a yeah, lot of my, them... My like, current roommate still goes out like he was Pokemon hunting today for Pokemon Go. There's still... Oh, yeah. And there's still... There's definitely still a crowd playing that game, which is cool. And it's cool that Nintendo r- recognizes that popularity and it has, has found a way to bring them in. And... I, I don't know. I'm kind of excited for it. But I'm not going to ever want to play it personally because I'm just going to wait for the console version next year. That's going to be a legitimate Pokemon game because I don't like Pokemon Go that much. Too many issues, too many ways of making you cash in to get more Pokeballs or whatever. But the last one I think is worth talking about. Oh, Definitely I'm, more- I'm excited for this one too. Actually. Mario Party? No, not that one. Oh, I got one more to go after this then. Oh. No. So- no, I've been upset with like the last like two Mario Parties. Last one I enjoyed was the... Uh, Wii, the one on Wii, I think it was nine. And that's actually the one I hated. I, really? Motion controls killed Mario that Party had for me. such a good variety because it felt like WarioWare on Wii. It did. That's why I liked it. But. Had variety, man. 
variety in what you visually see, but what you physically do with the controller was Well, it's like five different movesets. Exactly. So there's five different games to me. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sorry. Going and using a game controller because that gives you much variety. It does because I get to move around in any direction I want. The other one, it's like, oh, shake up and down. Kind of like masturbating, but not. It's a pop can. It's a soda pop can. I still win that all the time. Actually, I was playing with um <laughs> our sound guy, right? Brian. Yep. Playing uh Mario Party with his wife. He kept beating us at that. I'm like, wow, you clearly married good. <laughs> so no wonder why you have two kids, Brian. So <laughs> he's gonna hate you now. He is. I love so, you, Brian. Please, I, please don't I, edit as this. much as as much as I don't like Mario Party because I, I frankly I just got bored of them. There's ten of them now. And they they really haven't done a lot to inno- innovate the franchise, but I think the was Switch Mario, was it eight the one that I liked then. I think it's probably it, eight because it, it was eight, nine. Seven's my favorite one, which is the last one on the GameCube. Okay, yeah. So then you like seven, I like eight, yep. and then the Na- other and the nine and ten are on the Wii U, which which I was not a big fan of. Which that weren't last one. really. There were some cool modes that they incorporated. Again, though, it was very limiting because the tablet. One person has the tablet. Yeah. And passing the tablet around, it, it kind of sucked. But what I think Switch will do is it'll actually, I think, not necessarily bring new cool games, but it, it's a new way to bring more players to play it all the time because you always have at least two people. If you know one person with a Switch besides yourself, that's four-player Mario Party. Yeah. So And it's on the go. So the mobility and multiplayer like parts of the Switch actually make Mario Party more attractive. You can literally bring Mario Party to a party. Exactly. So and Mario Party at a party is always a good thing. I feel like if if Mar if this Mario Party is not good, then I, I feel like the franchise is it's dead. Like there if they can't do it well with this one, I, there's nowhere for it to go where I think I'll ever want to get into it. So what's the big game that I totally tricked you into thinking I was gonna Octopath talk about? Traveler, man? <laughs> that looked good to me because it's like an RPG, but it's got this unique like 2D sprite with 3D world style. Almost reminds me of. Final Fantasy Tactics. And Bravely Default from 3DS. It looks good, man. It does, and they're really honing in on that that old RPG style that I'm pretty excited for. I, I'm super I, stoked for that. I mean, I talk about... The art. Fun. I'm not even an RPG guy anymore. I used to be. Not now, but that's like, oh, man, I kind of want it. Yeah, and for me, looking for a system seller for the Switch, man... I'm looking at Fire Emblem Pokemon, but Octopath Traveler, that comes out like this month. It sucks because when I saw that initially launch, like when they like teased it a while back, I like couldn't remember the name and I'm just like mashing the keyboard with the word Traveler behind it just to see what I could find. I couldn't think of this stupid name because it was like <laughs> Octopath. Yeah, Who comes up I, with a name? I'm sure they have a way of... I'm sure it makes sense within I, the context of the story. But, but it's, it like, it's kind of out there, but... It's one of those weird square... Uh, Square Enix names like uh, was it a- Einhinder or whatever? Yep. What, was Einhinder. that? Yep. Yeah, and that's like a space shooter or whatever. And yep. then Brave Fencer Mushido Yo or whatever. Yep. Like I, I always get baffled by some of the names, and I'm like, again, I can't pronounce it, but I want to play it. <laughs> it's at least intrigued me enough where like I can't enunciate. Please let me play. Yep. So again, I feel like all three showings from all three of the big three, they showed off some great stuff. Nintendo. A little bit weaker because they just didn't have the volume of, of impressive stuff. But PlayStation really didn't bring much volume either. Yeah. 
but the quality is there. The quality is definitely up this year from previous years. So, is there anything else that? Yeah, like, I, I mean, just to kind of end it because there's just so much we could talk about. I I feel like there's two games that we really should talk about since our one of our most recent episodes was on Resident Evil. We should probably talk about the remake of Resident Evil too. Oh, I know, right? I mean, that looked incredible. I'm surprised that they're not going with the first person perspective on that though. I'm not with the popularity of Resident Evil four or five, not six. <laughs> <laughs> Burn. I, I, I'm not surprised that they have now found a way to kind of mix the elements of the, of the great horror of the original series with the common gameplay style. So now I, I get to really feel those elements still, but I get to feel it in a, in a more um, more recent play style that you know the newest generation of gamers are familiar with Resident Evil 4 and newer, but maybe not so much with the original games. My, my hopes is that once you beat the game in that third person mode, you can go back and play in their first person mode because that engine, think about it. It's not pre-rendered backgrounds anymore. It's all actual yep. in-game graphics and it looks good. I mean, the last resident evil was great. Yeah. So there's so much potential with that. And the fact that the remake of the first one is one of my favorite horror games ever made. just gets me even more excited that, that you're finally what, getting what did that they second- do with the, I actually, I'm pretty down on the second game. I think I they're doing the Crimson Heads again. They have to. I, I it would be a shame for them to Such not, a huge to not build off from remake. Yep. So and that that game was incredible. It just, I was so shocked that they actually showed what they did, and then the gameplay that followed after the conferences all looked great. And I'm like, I cannot wait. And it comes out in January. I'm like, that is such a perfect time for that game because the exclusive last- for Nintendo Switch. No. I, I mean, the last two years have been really good for Capcom. <laughs> Monster Hunter came out in January, yep. did really well. And then the prior year, Resident Evil 7 came out. So I think they're really like landing with that January time slot. And if this game is good, I mean, it's a perfect timing because it's such a slow month for especially movies. There's no good movies ever released in January. So people, I feel, play more games in January than usual. And it's like they're either playing what they got for Christmas or they're starving for something and they're willing to give something a shot. Well there's enough time for like you got stuff from Christmas you've played it and you're either going to stick with it or you're going to ditch it and go look for something new. Then what's your last one? The last one's got to be cyberpunk because I mean, that's just blowing up the world. dude. Okay. That, that looks like an actual next gen game to me. It does. Like what they showed, did it, did it not scream uh fifth element to you? A fifth element. I or, mean, come uh, on. Blade <laughs> runner. <laughs> okay, and the thing definitely. is blade runner 2049 just came out last year. Yep. Did you see that? No. I, so good. I just saw the first one a couple months ago. The second one is phenomenal. That synth score yep. with synthesize. Oh, my goodness. Dude. I, I secretly I'll, get, I'll, I get a massive hard-on for that. Like I don't I, know what it is about synth music. It's just... And it took you how long to see Stranger Things? <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I should just I should have just sold that mo- that show to you on the music alone. Yeah, that yeah, because that intro music pulls you in every single time. Yeah, that that weird, creepy slash psychedelic futuristic synth music is just so cyberpunk. <laughs> yeah, so cyberpunk. <laughs> so CD Projekt Red, the creators of the Witcher games, is, which is one of your favorite series that I still have yet to play. Yep, which are incredible RPGs in third person. So they come out and. They show a first-person game. Did not expect that. I, I'm honestly, I was shocked. Would you really expect them to stick third-person format, though? I guess I. It was one of those things I just didn't think about it. I just assumed 
because how well Witcher was made that they that's what they would just focus on making it that style of game again. But it's not like okay, it's not as far out because it still kind of seems like it has Witcher elements in it, mm-hmm. which they've already known, perfected, and done over the course of three games. It's not like they went and go, "Hey, uh, we licensed NASCAR and we're going to release this NASCAR game now." I I don't know. And then I heard the developers talk about why it was first person and. They at first they they talked about doing either one of those views or even the the ability to switch views, but they said that the importance of first person is actually to understand and feel the the vertical sense of the game. How high are the verticality? You, the verticality of the buildings you will be scaling, or just it'll have that feeling that if cars are flying, to be able to look up and down is going to be it'll have such a different effect on you than if you're in third person because, you know, the height just doesn't matter. I, I think that uh, one of our favorite games, Red Faction, first one, first person, makes sense because you're going through tunnels and caves and everything. You need that first person. That third game that was open world, Gorilla, yep. you had to be in third person. Otherwise, it didn't make sense when you saw buildings fall because you get hit by rubble or something. You're like, where did that come from? So perspective does matter in games and I'm glad that they took enough time to go and take that into consideration to be like, how do you immerse the character? Because the world that they create, at least from what I've seen from gameplay and stuff that you've posted and played and all that, it's super important that their worlds immerse you. And it's cool to see that they are factoring that into their next endeavor. It's not just let's take the engine that we have rework it and I don't know. We're changing perspective because we want to. It actually serves the purpose of the game. It's truly a new IP, new everything. Instead of really using what was successful and building off of it, they're they're really going out and making something completely new. And you know, some of the other stuff I saw in that trailer that kind of had me like really excited was the fact that it still has that very dark, mature content to it. Because I, I think what sta- to me, what Witcher stands out from like some of the other ones, like it's a Dragon game for Age, adults. It treats you like an adult, and it's not afraid to do what it wants. There are so many games I feel like they they try really hard to stay in that teen or that light mature area where they they don't. You could do things, but they just don't. You know, Witcher Three. Let's just have a sex on a unicorn because we can. You know, it's just one of those things where they they don't see limitations in their games. They they feel like they can go as far as they want, and it, you know, part of it probably is because they're European. That they they have different ideas on what they what can is, and can't the, do in the games and what's thing, acceptable. Odd thing is that that's how movies go over here. Like movies over in, you know, United yep. States and everything. Movies over here, horribly violent. As soon as there's a tit out, someone's like, no, 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 no. We have to censor this. This is bad. This gets a rating. Doesn't matter that you've blown a guy's head off. That graphic content does not bother American audiences. Where you go and you look at the European market and everything sexuality and things like that much more accepted as soon as someone gets like stabbed with a knife they're like whoa 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 that's too far i'm not i'm not going to agree with, with you on that oh i, I will I, prove I, that point honestly i in an off I don't know. microphone fight with you Be, the only ones i really have heard a lot of things about is australia because australia has one really australia is w- super censored well their one censorship that i think stands out from that can get the games banned is don't say it we have australian listeners well Honestly, it's and it refers to cyberpunk and that the use of drugs. I believe it's if you use drugs and it and it does something to benefit you, it is not allowed. Yep. 
and Bioshock, I think, had issues with it. Yeah. And they said Cyberpunk. Again, they're already looking into how to get around that because you take a drug in that game and it makes you something special. We have a few just had a whole bunch of reports how initially they are banned in, in, in Australia. Already. I, I really feel they, bad for uh, people in Australia because I feel like they kind of get the short end of the stick when it comes to a lot of games because of how heavily censored things are. Yeah, well, I'm sure China and there are, there are other countries that have crazy... I, I'm not. I'm definitely not a censor. But you always hear about it from Australia. Yep. You always hear about I, it. For some reason, also, I think Australia is like one of the first ones to really... like They make it public immediately. They're like, we're, right. not, have, we're not having your game. Like yep. they, they really push the envelope on making sure that their games meet their standards, which is fine. Which is good because but, they're they're enforcing their rules. But I mean, at what point do you go? Look, the rest of the world says this is okay. I, I mean, I mean, in America, is it a cultural thing then? Because I think it is. It, it might be the only one I really remember in America that was big was like South Park. You know, like the um, the Stick of Truth. Oh yeah, when that was announced and things were coming out about that one, I mean, they really. There was things where they were like, hey, this might be banned. That was banned in Australia. It, yeah, of course that it was. was. Are you kidding? I, the content <laughs> of that? That was hardcore. Like, I, And I'm not surprised. A lot of countries did. But to me, that's just the first one that I feel like in a while that's really made a statement in America because we just kind of generally accept everything. Yeah. So it, it's just really interesting to see the the the, the route that Cyberpunk is taking to, to really own themselves as a mature video game. And a, a really cool new world that I I could not be more excited I'm, about. I'm ready to get immersed in that. Yep. But we really got to end the show. It's unfortunate because there there are so many other cool games. I'm sorry for anyone listening that we didn't talk about a game maybe that you preferred. We 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 have a lot of games. We'd Hit love us to up talk and about. let us know. Yeah. If there is a maybe a particular game you guys want to hear more about, we could always talk about it in our next episode. You got to let us know that. I, I would have like I got a whole list of games I would love to talk about. <laughs> you you have two notepads in front of you right but now. But just to kind of end the show, Doss, I gotta challenge you. I I need you to sit down and play some games. You need to beat Detroit. Well, I want to I talk was, about Detroit. I was on Dragon Slayer this weekend, man. Deep in depth discussion on Detroit because there are some cool things that happen in that game, and I am super curious fine. to see what decisions you make right, and how fine. upset it makes you. I will. Okay, I will. I will. I will plow through a couple more stages in Detroit. You no. Whole game. It's like a 12-hour game. It's like a lot, man. Two weeks. You have time. Do it. All right, fine. All right. I will I will work on Detroit. Then. You need to work on some of the games that I'm giving you then, man. Like what? Did you, uh, did you ever play that puzzle game that I gave you, that I sent you? No. The Treasure Hunter game? No. Where it's all RPG strategy and four-player, and you're like, oh, I like RPGs. I like dungeon crawlers. No. You need to get on top of that. All right, you get on top of that, and then give me your word on like. You, tell you what, we'll aim it so it's kind of like a bootleg. Like you do a retro review on that, and I'll do my two cents on Detroit then, and then we'll collaborate in two weeks, and we'll see how it goes from there. That sounds good. And anyone out there, thank you for listening. And like I said, we're always looking for more feedback. We're always looking for more comments and. Even reviews. Those reviews really help us get out there a little bit more, and we're happy to kind of to read them over. And if there's something good in there, we maybe we'll throw us some memes too. I like some good old memes. Oh yeah, if you if you can throw us memes, if you want, I always to, need a good laugh. <laughs> we like to throw a few of them on the Facebook here and there. But... I like the one that you uh, posted for the real life Grand Theft Auto. That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So if you got one, share it with us. We'd love to see it. Otherwise, have a good night. Have a good one.
Thank you for listening to the Couch Trolls Podcast. If you like this episode, you can find more on Facebook by searching Couch Trolls or on Twitter at Couch underscore Trolls. I'm your announcer, Canada Sanchez, with Brian doing the sound. Thanks for listening. Thank you.